Today on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's in the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 26, wrapping up with part 3 of a message titled, The Master's Touch. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. After hearing about Jesus, she'd spent everything. She's broke now. No insurance back back in the day. Apparently, every family member has bailed on her. Maybe a divorced woman. Every woman in Israel pretty much got married, so it's unlikely that she was single. So she's probably divorced. Everybody's bailed on her. She's unclean. And she heard about Jesus. And she came up in the crowd behind Him, which was quite risky because she was a carrier, a transmitter of uncleanness, but she took the risk. She's behind Him, and she reached out and touched His cloak. She grabbed hold, perhaps, of one of his tassels. Jewish men wore tassels, and the Pharisees were accused of lengthening their tassels to try to look super religious. You know. And the tassels were a reminder to the Jewish male of the law of God. And no doubt that Jesus probably wore the tassels as well. You see them sometimes today in prayer shawls. In uh, countries where persecution is uh, high, the Jews would sew the tassels hidden inside the garment to avoid persecution. But in Jesus' day, they wore them proudly outside. And the tassels were a reminder of the law. I just want to tell you guys something about our men's ministry. Our men's ministry um, gave out bracelets yesterday, and it says Joshua 24.15 on it. So if you showed up, you got a pancake for the soul, as Mike Massaro would put it. <laughs> we ate breakfast together. We did a Bible study, and we gave these out. Joshua 24, 15 says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is kind of what the tassels were for the Jew. It was a reminder. I serve God. I walk in His ways. I think all of us need reminders. So some of us guys that walked in today, we just kind of pointed at it. That's right, brother. As for me and my house, how about your house? Yeah, we'll serve the Lord. For the Jew, that's what the tassel was. It represented the law. It represented their special relationship with God. And she thought, look at 28, if I just touch his garments, I shall get well. The language in one of the Gospels indicates that she probably said it over and over and over. And see the phrase, I shall get well. It's the Greek word sozo, and it means I I will be made whole. It's the word often used to be saved. He can save me. If I can just touch Him. If I can just reach out. If I can somehow weave my way through this incredible crowd moving to the house of Jairus with a desperate need. And I'm sure she had to fight. I'm sure she had to find a way. But faith, much like the four men who lowered their friend in the house through the roof, faith found a way. And she says, if I can just touch him. If I can just reach and grab his garment. And she came up behind him, Luke 8.44, and she touched the fringe of his cloak, Luke 8.44, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Look at 29. 
Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. NIV says she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Can you imagine this? Twelve long years. And she reaches out, and all of a sudden, the flow stops. I don't know if words can adequately adequately describe what she must have been feeling at that moment. I'm sure for her, it was like a dream. It's something that she wondered, would it ever happen? Will I ever be healed? Will this, this ever stop? You know, when we're going through stuff, you guys, sometimes that's what we say to ourselves. We, we say, is this ever going to end? Is there ever going to be a reprieve from this season of my life? And I've got good news for you. Things do stop. Things do end. Crisis moments do end. Now, some of you have been fighting sicknesses for a long time, and, and we know the ultimate healing is going to come in heaven. In fact, at a men's Bible study on Thursday, we studied Revelation 21 where it says there will be no more disease, no more sorrow, no more pain. For the former things have passed away. And we asked the question in the Bible study, is that just too good to be true? Is that pie in the sky? Is, is that just, oh, we're just trying to make ourselves feel better? And the very next verse says, right, for these words are faithful and true. On the authority of God's Word, the Bible says one day disease and death will be behind us. Beautiful. And so immediately, Jesus, look at verse 30, she immediately gets a healing and immediately Jesus perceiving in himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Now does he not know who touched him? No, I think this is a way of him causing the woman to identify herself because there's many layers going on here. I think Jesus knows who touched him, but I think he wants her to confess her healing. But I also think that he wants this to happen for Jairus' sake. Remember, Jairus has been here the whole time. The crowd's moving. The woman touches his garment, and all of a sudden Jesus turns, you know, and this has been a slow boat. You're a desperate dad. You're like, come on, come on. This is like an ambulance being stuck in traffic. With your loved one waiting for help, come on, Jesus. Ever been there before? Prayed like that before? Let's go. Right? And then he stops. It's been moving slow enough. And he says, what? Who touched me? Oh, this is going to take a while. Everybody's touching you. I mean, that's what one of the, uh, the disciples said. Lord, how could you say who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Do you see the crowd? But Jesus is doing something completely different. No, this touch was different. Power went out from me. You see the multitude? You see everybody, 31's pressing on you. And you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. He stopped. Luke's account says, I know that power has gone out from me. And the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. Mark puts it this way, the woman fearing and trembling, 33, 
aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Lord, I've had this for 12 years. I've, been, I've spent everything I had and I heard about you. And I heard that people that you touch get healed and so I've been waiting and you showed up and I found a way and I just reached out and I touched your garment and Lord, something's happened to me. I've been made well. The bleeding has stopped. Now, I'm sure there's a mix of reaction like, you, you, you did what? You're unclean, woman! And did she touch me? I don't know. Did she touch you? I don't know. But she touched Jesus. And Jesus didn't turn around and say, you know what? Don't touch me again. <laughs> we might say it this way. Get your grimy paws. Right? But that's not Jesus. Jesus said to her, this is the only place that I know of where He calls someone daughter. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. One of the uh, gospel writers has it go into peace. The Greek word is irene. The Hebrew equivalent is shalom. Be well. Be healed of your fl- affliction. Go in peace. This was a, a way that the Jews would give a valediction. They would say to somebody, maybe that they met along the way of life, they would say to them when they departed, go in peace. Shalom. And that's the idea that Jesus said. You're well. You're whole again. Be at peace now. Incredible. Jesus is so good. Nobody escapes his notice, no matter what you're going through. He knows. He knows if you're hurting on the inside. And he calls her daughter. I believe at this moment she's become a believer. And he says, go in peace. God's peace. No more chaos in your life. You know, the Hebrew word for peace has the idea of the ceasing of chaos. Her life was chaotic. Her life was a mess. And now she's experienced the cleansing peace of Jesus Christ. Have you? Do you know His peace? Have you experienced His power in your life? No one is lost in the crowd. One writer says, in a sea of a million hands, Christ will see the one that has raised it in faith. Are you sensing within yourself stirrings of faith? By God's grace, move toward him. It will not go unnoticed by the master. We are not lost in the crowd. And sometimes we look around and we say, with all these people, do you really hear my prayer? even heard the longings of a woman on the other side of the sea that nobody even wanted to deal with anymore. And this is a picture of salvation. He can stop the internal bleeding metaphorically in your life. 35, while he was still speaking, and you know, Jairus continues in the background, the, daughter, the dad of the daughter, come on, come on, this is all great and all. I mean, maybe even in this moment, his faith has been elevated. Wow, he, he did it again. Here's a woman testifying, my faith. Have you ever had this happen? Someone else tells you a God story in their life and your faith was a little low and maybe you're going through some tough times and they say, hey, this is what the Lord did for me. Like, yeah. It's not just about your story. 
It's about how other people can be encouraged in their faith by what God does in your life. That's why you should be in fellowship with other Christians. While he's still speaking, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. They came from the house of the synagogue official, 35, and they said, your daughter, she's died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? I'm sorry, Jairus. She didn't make it. Now, if you're Jairus right there, what do you do? Hey, folks, this is Pastor Michael. We'll be back to the teaching. I want to tell you about a special offer at walkintruth.com. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It will help you to know how to put on the armor, how to deal with temptation, how to deal with the lies of the enemy, and how to walk in victory. Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. If you go to walkintruth.com, the shipping's on us. Check it out. That's walkintruth.com, the book Suit Up. Free shipping. Go there today. God bless you. You've just seen an incredible healing, but yeah, I mean, it's almost like unperceivable. You can't really see what happened to the lady, and maybe he saw the healing of the man with the withered hand, but this is death. And you have to remember that what Mark has been painting for us is a God, the God-man who can calm the sea, the one who can calm demons, a legion out of a man's life, the one who can touch the flow of blood. But can he really deal with the death issue. All of our greatest fears, uncontrollable storms, demonic power, disease that may never go away, and now death. Can he, can he conquer all four of those? Can he really do it? Is he really who he said he was? Jairus had to be thinking. You know, Maybe he just put his head in his arm. But Jesus overheard what was being spoken, 36, and he said, 36, he said to the synagogue official, don't be afraid any longer. Only believe. We're going to keep walking. You know, the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. This is amazing. This is a walk of faith. Jesus says just keep walking, just take it one step at a time. Just believe. But Lord, you know, we have all of our yeah buts, right? But, but Lord, I'm not sure if you're aware of the circumstances. She's dead. Thanks for the thought, but this, this has got to be beyond the scope of even someone like you, right? Wrong. Believe. And keep walking. Brother or sister, maybe that's what you need to hear right now. It's a long walk. But keep taking one step of faith at a time. And so here's what happens now. 36, he says, believe. 37, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter. Peter's thoughts are behind Mark's gospel. So this is eyewitness testimony. And James and John, they were kind of the inner circle of the apostles. Everything's done with two or three witnesses. That may be part of what's going on. John's the brother of James. And they came to the house of the synagogue official. I'm sure it was a nice home. And he, Jesus, beheld a commotion. People loudly weeping and wailing. Imagine the scene. And entering in, he said to them, this is bold. You know, in, in, in Jewish uh, thought and in, in the Jewish culture, they did not embalm, they did not wait to do a funeral. So if someone died, it was almost instantaneous that you started you started. Preparing and you started doing a service. They would, they would do it right away. 
And so you had a minimum of two flute players, but since this guy is high in terms of his uh, position, I'm sure there's a whole group, and they had professional mourners and flute players, and they would play the dirge, and, and it wasn't even... Many times it wasn't even a solemn occasion like this. They would clap their hands and they would sing songs to honor the dead. And so this, this is what Jesus, you know, the door opens and everybody's crying and, and downcast and they're, they're already going through the funeral songs. And you're, imagine if it's you, right? And Jesus says, why make this commotion and weep? The child has not died. She's, what? She's asleep. Now, if you're one of the professional mourners or one of the family members, or perhaps there's a couple of doctors on the inside, stop weeping. She has not died. She's only asleep. Jesus said of Lazarus, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. What is this? What's the deal with this sleep thing? Well, sleep is a metaphor for death in the Bible because the body looks like it's sleeping. The eyes are typically closed. Sometimes call it resting or resting in peace. The body temporarily sleeps, but the soul does not, because to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. In fact, the Greek word, our Greek word for cemetery, is derived from the word used here, koimeo, and a cemetery means a place of sleep. The bodies are at rest, but the soul does not die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul says in Philippians 1, I want to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Far better. So when you die, your spirit goes back to God who gave it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I know sometimes this confuses people, but it's simply a way to say the body is at rest. And so here's Jesus. He sees the flute players, the noisy disorder, and he says to the people, get out. <laughs> Look at verse 40. Now, this shows you that this, this group maybe is not really feeling the morning. Look at 40. They began laughing at him. Jesus says, stop the music, stop the crying, the little girl's just simply sleeping. Enough, enough of this. And they're like, <laughs> how could they laugh at a time like this? They mocked the Lord. Scornful laughter is the idea. The laughter of unbelief. Ever experienced that before? What a joke. There was a caller that called into a Bible answer program some years ago, one of these classic calls, and he was very angry. Why he was angry, we don't know, because he said he didn't believe that there was a God. But he's still very angry at this being that he did not believe in. And he called this program and he said, I believe Jesus is a joke. Why do you believe this stuff? And he says, the host says, I believe it's true. He says, Jesus is a ninny. And if, if it's true, and if I ever appear before him, I will spit in his face. And the host said, well, it wouldn't be the first time that that happened. And you're like, what? Listen to that call. You want to reach through the phone and choke this guy. And the host, by the power of the Holy Spirit, said, well, it wouldn't be the first time that someone spit in Jesus' face. Wow. And the man went on with his rant, but the host was wise because the host said, I used to be an atheist like you. And he knew that anger for anger was not going to help the situation. 
And the people laughed at him, and he put them all out, and he took along the child's father and mother, 40, his own companions, they were already named, and he entered the room where the child was. Now the child is dead. We know she's dead. She's probably pale. Her mouth may be open. She's dead. And he reaches out his hand. Would you look at this? And you're not supposed to, what? Touch a dead body. It seems like everybody who's got issues that nobody else wants to touch, he touches. Because there's no way that you can make the one who is 100% pure and holy unclean. It don't happen. He transfuses his cleanness into unclean people. Not the reverse, folks. And so, he takes her hand, which probably shocked Peter, James, and John. And he said to her, this is Aramaic, Talitha kum, which translated means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Literally, this could be rendered, little lamb, arise. I will show you an interesting verse as we wind down. Luke's Gospel, Luke 8, the next Gospel to the right. Look at what Luke says happened. Luke 8, we'll pick it up at verse 55. Luke 8, 55. He took her by the hand, Luke says, and Luke, by the way, is a medical doctor now. He called saying, child, arise. Luke 8, 55. What's your Bible say? And her spirit returned to her. Where was her spirit? I would imagine with the Lord. Her spirit returned to her. And she rose. Can you imagine being one of the apostles here? One of the parents. Wow! This had to be like a mixture of, I'm kind of freaked out and this is incredible. She rose immediately. And you got to love Jesus. Luke 8.55, and he gave orders for something to be given to her to eat. I love it. Feed that child. <laughs> and her parents were amazed. And then this incredible verse, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. <laughs> what? I mean, you take her to a restaurant the next day. Wasn't your little girl... Yeah, can't tell you. <laughs> Do you know, there's something interesting here that I just want to point out as we close. Do you know when that little girl awoke, the first thing she saw was the face of Jesus. The face of grace. And it may well be that this is a little kind of foretaste that when we wake up on the other side, the first face that we see is the face of grace. You know, death at its core means separation. And the second death is to be separated from God in your essential you. And so I pray that you will be born twice so that you only die once. But if you're only born once, you will die twice. Let me explain. If you're born naturally and born again of the Holy Spirit, you will die once. A physical death. Unless Jesus comes in your lifetime, you're born once. Not born again of the Holy Spirit, you're going to die twice physically, and then you're going to experience the second death. Jesus came so you don't have to. 
and he gave strict orders. Everybody's astounded that no one should know about this. He said, give her something to eat. Where do you see yourself in the story? Are you a doubting disciple? A demonized man? A disheartened sick woman? A dutiful religious leader? Someone who really knows you need God's help? Remember, in every healing story in the Gospels, all of these died. The ones that were healed eventually died. But the key is to see here the Gospel, the good news. In the calming of the storm, in the deliverance from the domain of darkness, the demonized man, in going from unclean to clean, and rising from the dead, this is our story. This is the power of God. He calms the storms. He deals with the devil. He heals our uncleanness, our sin, and He raises us, what? To new life. This is our God. So we're quickly coming to Christmas now, Oscar, and we celebrate the incarnation. We celebrate the entrance of Jesus Christ, God in human flesh into the world. What did He do? He came to save us from our sins, and we've got to place our faith in Him. So let's just speak to that person who's listening. Maybe, they've, maybe you've lost faith. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe these stories hit really close to home because you're in that desperate situation. What would you say, Oscar, to that person right now? I know that I cannot trust myself. We are coming at a time of year to where everybody makes resolutions, and I always disappoint myself. No matter how much I want to do my best, I become complacent. So I know that I can't trust myself. I can't trust my neighbor. And it's like you mentioned also is that what is it that you put your faith in? And for me and my family, we have learned and got to know that our faith is in Jesus Christ, the true and living God. And who else can you place your faith into and make have the assurances of the promises that he has made for you there's nowhere else where you're going to find the answers to the biggest questions of life and death and the problem of evil and the value of our life and purpose and meaning than in the lord jesus christ there is a god he loves you he came into the world to save you Please, we would just plead with you in the name of Jesus Christ, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. And Jesus died on that cross to demonstrate his love for you. He rose to defeat our mortal enemy, death. And he says, believe in me. Take me at my word. Trust me. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Get saved. Run to Jesus. Cry out to him. Just repent of your sin and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of it. I put my trust in you, your death on the cross, your resurrection. I believe that you are God in human flesh. I believe you came to save me. Save me, Lord. I want to follow you. Cry out to him. You don't have to have a perfect prayer, but he will hear you and he will save you. And look, if you did make that decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Contact us through walkintruth.com. Let us know. Reach out to us and we'd be happy to pray for you and help you get into a good church and whatever else you may need. So on behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz, this is Pastor Michael with thanks to Andy Chapel on the board. We'll catch you next time on the program. From our hearts to yours, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.